Good morning, everybody. Our sermon text this morning is from Luke 9, starting in verse 57. This is our last week that will be in Luke for a little while. Uh, next week will be in our Advent series titled Grace in Unlikely Places. We're going to be looking at Jesus's family tree, his genealogy in Matthew, and uh, looking at these characters and the ways that they point us to God's unlikely grace, the ways that he uses unlikely, um, unlikely people like you and I to ultimately to bring about his grace, ultimately to, to give us Christ. So that's what we'll be, um, be doing come um, next week, as we'll be looking in there. But this week we are, we're still in, we're in Luke, uh, starting in verse 57 through the end of the chapter. As we read this together, would you please stand uh, in honor of God's Word? Luke 9. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have your seat. Um, let me go to, the, go to him in prayer as we, um, as we look at his word. Father, we uh, ask that you would speak to us this morning. Use your word, send your spirit to, to open our hearts to what you have to say with us. Um, Lord, we pray that you would show us who you are, that you would show us who we are, that you would show us what it looks like to follow Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. So in this account that we're looking at this morning, Jesus has three encounters. He has three conversations with different people where he's inviting them to follow him. And these conversations that Jesus has are meant to teach us a couple of things. One is he, Holy Spirit, I think, wants us to see our own hearts. As we ask the question of how do our hearts, how does the human heart naturally respond when we're called to follow Jesus? One way that the human heart naturally responds is to simply reject Jesus outright, wanting nothing to do with Jesus. And it might seem that the, the lesson we should draw from these conversations is that the natural bent of the human heart is, is to reject Jesus. But I actually think that this text is trying to tell us something slightly different. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to see that our hearts um, are much more subtle and slippery than that. Yes, there are those who, who hear the call to follow Jesus and simply reject Him. But more often, we want to follow Jesus, but we want to do it on our own terms. We don't want it to affect our comfort, our way of life. We want to follow Jesus, but only when it's conven convenient. 
I think that's what we see here. We see Jesus calling these men to follow him. And none, notice, none of them say, no, Jesus, I'm good. All of them say, yes, I'll follow you, but. And that's not how Jesus calls us to follow him, not on our terms, but on his. Again, in each of these encounters, we see people who want to follow Jesus, they want it, but they want to do it on their own terms. And through these conversations we get a glimpse into our own hearts and the ways that we seek to follow Jesus on our own terms. That we want to follow Jesus, but we want to do it when it's convenient to us. We want to do it in a way that doesn't mess up the rest of our lives. And so we need to understand what it looks like to follow Jesus on His terms. And so that's kind of the second thing we see in this text is what does it look like to follow Jesus on his terms. So one day this week I was, um, I think it was Tuesday, it doesn't matter, uh, but had spent sort of the whole day um, studying this passage, you know, reading commentaries, prepping for the sermon, all that kind of stuff, and was at that point where I was trying to think through how to explain it. And the day was over, I'd put my stuff away, headed into the kitchen because it was time for dinner, and as I was walking out, I heard Becca talking to Eloise, telling her to obey. And what she said was, you need to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. And I was like, there you go. Like, this is my outlet. So that's what we're going to look at is each of these encounters we see highlights one of those aspects of following Jesus. That following Jesus on his terms means that we follow all the way, right away, and with a happy or committed heart. So we follow Jesus all the way. This first man comes up to Jesus and on his own initiative, it seems, promises, I will follow you wherever you go. And let's start by acknowledging that those are beautiful words. That's what Jesus desires of every one of us, that we would follow him wherever he goes, whatever it involves, all the way. Following Jesus should be our life's goal. Following Him in terms of um, seeking to be like Him, following His example of love, of sacrifice. So this is a good thing, but Jesus sees a little deeper. And so He responds in verse 58. Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Jesus wants this man to know what it is he's promising. If this man wants to follow Jesus wherever he goes, that's great. But this is what that's going to look like. With this response, Jesus is telling the man what what his life, what Jesus' life actually looks like. That Jesus' life was one of homelessness. The path that he walked didn't have five-star hotels along the way. And the implication for this man is that if he wants to follow Jesus wherever Jesus goes, then the same will be true for him as well. If he chooses to follow Jesus all the way, then he won't have a place to rest his head either. And the same is true today, that if, if you choose to follow Jesus, if you call yourself a believer, then following Jesus all the way 
means being homeless in this life. Not literally. Jesus isn't saying that we can't have homes and follow Him. He's saying that this world will never be your home. That you will always be an alien and a foreigner in this life. We've all heard the expression, uh, maybe someone has said it to you, make yourself at home. When, when Becca and I have you, anyway, if we have you over to our house, that is our number one desire, is that you would make yourself at home. That our home would feel like your home as long as you're there. When you tell someone to make themselves at home, what you're, what you're really saying is you're saying, hey, get comfortable. Relax. We want this to be a place where you can relax and be comfortable, where you can take off your shoes, kick your feet up on the couch, you know, help yourself to the fridge, refrigerator rights, you know, make, make yourself at home, be comfortable. Because home is where you're comfortable. The difference between a house is, and a home is a home is where you can relax. And so what Jesus is saying is, don't get comfortable here. If you get comfortable here, then you aren't following Jesus all the way. If you start to relax and settle in, then you'll stop following Jesus. Believer, we need to stop trying to follow Jesus and make this world our home. Instead, we are to seek those things um, that are conducive to following Jesus, to, to seeking the kingdom first. And I think a great place where this often plays itself out is our homes themselves. That, and I want to commend our church that we have been a church that uses our homes well. Um, having others into them, I know this season is weird, but, but uh, see, our homes can either be a way that we sink our roots into this life, or they can be a way, they can be a stopping point, a way station, something that we use to further God's glory. It's not about the size of your house. It's about the reasons why you have whatever size house you have. Right? Do, you ha- do you look to your house as a way to, to make this world your home, to get comfortable and relax? Or is your home a way for you to, to further God's glory, to further His kingdom? Uh, so while we often want to follow Jesus and make ourselves at home in this world, that's not what Jesus calls us to. What he wants is for us to follow him on his terms in a way that that rejects this world as our home and ultimately to follow him all the way to the cross. Following Jesus all the way involves sacrifice. It involves, um, again, rejecting this world, the comforts, uh, trying to be comfortable in this life. It can sound exhausting, it sounds burdensome to say that we, we always follow Jesus on His terms. Unqualified commitment is what Jesus expects, all the way, right away, with a committed heart. Um, I don't know about y'all, but that, the, 99% of the time, if not all the time, that is not me. Right? I want to make this world my home, I want to... Um, I want to follow Jesus on my own terms, which is why I love that what is abundantly clear in this conversation 
is that Jesus does not ask anything of us that he hasn't already done. In other words, there's always another side to following. It's the one who leads. The very idea of following shows us that we won't encounter anything that Jesus hasn't already encountered. When this man promises, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go, rather than a lecture on what sacrifice looks like, what a, a lecture on what Jesus expects from this man, Jesus says, the Son of Man, me, Jesus, doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. He shows this man his own example of what his, the route that Jesus is, would lead him on um, looks like. It's, this is, it's the words we sang a few moments ago, right? He leadeth me, he leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. The point is simply this. There is grace and blessing in seeking to follow Jesus on his own terms. Because when we follow Jesus all the way and reject this world as our home, Jesus comes alongside us with his grace and his mercy. Because there's nowhere that we would go that he hasn't already been. And so we follow Jesus all the way. Uh, But following Jesus on his terms also means that we follow Jesus right away. We see this really in both of these next two encounters. because, Because both of them say, I will follow you, but first let me do X. They want to follow Jesus in their own timing rather than in his. They want to follow Jesus, but it isn't convenient right now. And when we look at this second encounter, and we kind of focus in on the conversation in verses 59 and 60, we see that it isn't just about the circumstances. Because Jesus says to him, follow me, and his response is simply, Lord, let me go, let me first go and bury my father. This doesn't seem like a particularly ridiculous request, right? To go and bury his father first. But it's worth being aware in order to kind of understand this interaction that for, uh, for the Jews in Jesus' day, that burial was a much longer process than it is nowadays. Nowadays, when, when someone passes away, we have a funeral within a week or two, typically. Right? We, it's fairly short turnaround to bury someone. But back then, burial was a year-long process. It began with placing the bones in a tomb, or the body, rather, in a tomb to decay. Then they would come back a year later, take the bones, and put them in an ossuary box. And so with that in mind, it's maybe a little easier to understand Jesus' response. We're not talking about a couple of days here. We're talking maybe a whole year. He wants to follow Jesus, but he wants to do it on his own terms. He wants to wait until it's more convenient. But following Jesus on his terms means that we follow in his timing, not ours. When he calls us to something, we don't wait. When we don't respond to Jesus right away, we show that we don't value him like we should. Uh, one, one thing that this has looked like uh, in my life is 
sort of in the area of uh, faithfulness in terms of a Sabbath, keeping um, a, using the Sunday, using Sunday as this Christian Sabbath, this day of rest that God has given us, and and really um, commands us to right and um, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And this was particularly when when I was a student in school, um, college, and then seminary. I would sort of take the weekends off, and then Sunday afternoon would roll around. Monday morning would be knocking, and there were things that needed to get done. So for years, I did schoolwork on what was supposed to be my Sabbath. Now, I realized that we could have a whole other conversation about what is or is not appropriate on, sun- on Sundays, what it means to rest and to keep the Sabbath holy, and that's not the point here. The point is that I believe that this was something that God was calling me to as a way of honoring the Sabbath. That I was breaking the Sabbath when I did schoolwork, and yet I kept doing it. And my justification was always that I, I wouldn't be a student forever, right? That, that I would keep the Sabbath once I was no longer in school. The problem is, one, what my actions revealed about my heart. It showed that I cared more about grades and striving in my own strength than in resting in my Savior. But more so, see, the circumstances have changed, but the problem is still there. I'm no longer in school, but it's still a struggle to rest in my Savior on Sundays rather than striving in my own strength. There's always something that my soul just rises up and says, no, no, work. Work for it. And that's why it's so important that when Jesus calls us to obedience in some area, whatever it may be, that we follow Jesus right away. Because when we don't, when we put off faithfulness, it's never just about the circumstances. It's about our hearts and our priorities. Our tendency is to come to Jesus on our own terms. So that's to to follow Jesus when it's convenient, when when there's nothing else that, um, when Jesus, following Jesus doesn't get in the way of anything else that we value more than him. You see, the sad, sad irony of this conversation that Jesus is having with this man is that is that burial was something that the Jews did to prepare the person's body for the Messiah's coming. They believed, like we do, that when the Messiah came, the righteous dead would be raised to spend eternity in the perfect messianic kingdom. Just like we believe that when Christ comes back, he's going to raise the dead um, to, to be judged in either in the new heavens and new earth or the or um, to spend eternity in hell. And so now this man is looking at the Messiah, telling him, hey, I have to go prepare my father's body for your coming. What this man longs for, what this man is pursuing for, for himself and his father, is resurrection. It's redemption, it's restoration, and now he's talking to the one person who can give him that, about to walk away. Anytime we put Jesus on hold, it's because we are looking elsewhere for the things that only Jesus can provide. 
Jesus calls us to follow Him, not just when it's convenient, but also when it's hard. He calls us to make sacrifices in order to follow Him, but the end result of that is life. Following Jesus on His terms means following Him all the way, right away, precisely because Jesus wants what is best for us. And what is best for us is Him. It's Christ Himself. Jesus knows that the other things that we would pursue, the things that we would pursue, uh, that we would push Him off for, they won't bring the life that we long for. It's only Jesus. It's only as we follow Him on His terms. So we follow Jesus right away. And then lastly, this morning, we see this from this third conversation that we are following Jesus on His terms means that we follow with a committed heart. For the third man, his hesitancy is once again about family. In fact, there are a lot of similarities between this man and the second one. We already noted that for both, they're willing to follow, but they have something um, that they want to do first. And for this man, it's, it's that he wants to say goodbye. Right? He says, um, Lord, let me first go and say farewell to those at my home. What he has going for him is that, you know, compared to burying his father, this, this isn't going to take that long. And in light of Jesus's, and in light of that, right, in light of the fact that, you know, he's just asking to run home, say goodbye, come back, Jesus' response may seem, once again, kind of harsh. Because he says to this man, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. But see, I don't think it's the action that's the problem. The problem is his desires. That he's willing to follow Jesus, but what he really loves is the folks back home. Because in the analogy Jesus uses, his hands are on the plow, right? He's doing the work that he's supposed to do, but he's looking over his shoulder. He keeps looking back at something else. He's, his, his mind, his heart, his focus isn't on um, plowing. And if you've, you know, anyone who's driven knows that if you're constantly looking, if you look over your shoulder for too long, you're not going to go straight. Eventually, if you follow Jesus with your actions, but not your heart, eventually your actions are going to follow your heart, and you're not going to follow him at all. Jesus wants this man to know that if he follows Jesus with his actions, but not his heart, he's still missing the point. Following Jesus on his terms means that we follow Jesus with a committed heart. And this is the, this is the key piece to it all. Because we, we all know that when our hearts are right, everything else just falls into place. The only way that we will ever reject this world as our home and follow Jesus all the way is when our hearts are filled with love for a Savior who promises us eternity with Him. 
The only way that we will follow Jesus right away in those moments when something else is calling to us is if our hearts are in love with Him. See, if you wish to follow Jesus on His terms without if, ands, or buts, you must realize that He is, and, and it has to sink into our hearts as well. It's not just about knowing it. It's about it sinking into our hearts the reality that He is greater than anything you may leave behind. If you've paid attention for the last couple of months as we've gone through Luke 9, you may have noticed um, that the prophet Elijah has taken a bit of a beating uh, in this chapter. This is at least the fourth time in this chapter with some reference to Elijah. Uh, starting back um, earlier on when we learned that among the crowds who were following Jesus, that there were some who believed that Jesus was, in fact, Elijah raised from the dead. And since then, Jesus seems to be going to every length to make the point, look, Elijah was good, I'm better. I am, I'm the one who is greater than Moses, who's greater than Elijah. And this, this third conversation that Jesus has uh, is meant to be reminiscent, actually, of Elijah calling the prophet Elisha to follow him. Uh, if you want, you can turn to 1 Kings 19. I think that we'll have it up on the screen. Um, but, and I'll explain it. But here in this text, Elijah calls Elisha to follow him. And uh, Elijah, Elisha's response, so, so Elijah comes, Elisha's out. Um, uh, he is out, uh, what is the word? With, he has oxen. He's... Plowing the fields with oxen. Plow is the word I was looking for. He's plowing the field um, behind these oxen. Elijah comes and calls him to be a prophet. And then um, Elisha's response is very similar to this man's. He asks to go and say goodbye to his parents. He says, let me go and kiss my mother and father. And Elijah lets him do it. He says, go, you know, go. He, he actually gives him kind of a sassy response because Elijah was in a sassy place at that point in his ministry. But he basically says, fine, yeah, go, go say goodbye. So Elisha goes back. He slaughters the oxen, cuts ties with his old life, and then follows Elijah. And so the question is, why is Elisha allowed to say goodbye and this man isn't? Right? Why is Elisha allowed to go back to kiss his parents, to say goodbye to his old life before following Elijah. But when this man makes the same request, Jesus' response is, essentially, hey, if you want to do that, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And the reason is, is because Jesus has a greater mission than Elijah. Because Jesus is greater than Elijah. And so he expects greater commitment from his followers. Jesus is on a mission that cannot wait. Remember, he's, this text starts by saying that they were going along the road. He is on his way to Jerusalem. He is on his way to the cross. He has a mission. See, Jesus himself is following the will of his Father all the way, right away, with a committed heart as he walks along the road to Jerusalem. 
This is what makes Jesus worthy of our unparalleled commitment. What makes him greater than anything we might leave behind is that he purchased our redemption on the cross. He didn't travel part of the way to Jerusalem and then stop. He went all the way. He didn't delay going to the cross. When the time came, he went. And he went with a committed heart that was full of love for his people, for you and I. And it's only as we begin to grapple with this and understand the magnitude of God's love for us that we can follow Christ with a committed heart. Only as we see the the depths of God's grace, um, only that will spark us to follow Christ with the committed hearts that he expects. With hearts that that are full of love for him. And so follow Christ on his own terms. Follow him all the way. Follow him right away, whatever he's calling you to. And follow him with a committed heart. But I want to end with the reminder that um, this isn't about being better. It's not about striving in our own strength to follow Christ. Um, I've grown uh, to love in a very short song, or a very short time, the song that we opened with this morning. Um, oh, come, all you unfaithful. Because it gets at the heart of following Jesus. Following Jesus on his terms isn't about having our acts together so that we can follow him perfectly. Right? It's not about striving in our own strength to, to muster up this incredible commitment to Christ so that we can follow him all the way, right away. It's about leaving everything else behind. Because we know that we are broken and needy. And that everything else has only left us wanting. And so we come to see what God has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we thank you above all that you lead us. That you, as we um, seek to follow Christ uh, each day, that you are there guiding us and leading us. That you, um, above all, that you lead us into, uh, into your goodness, into your grace, into your presence. Father, we ask that you would help us to to follow Christ um, on, on his terms, to follow Christ all the way, right away, with a committed heart, um, that each day we would, we would set aside this world in order to follow you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.